This message is presented to you by Pastor James Moore and New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information or to donate, please visit newlifekc.com. Have you ever considered that adult life consists of a series of choices and decisions? You know, go to work or go to college. Which college? Which job? Uh, rent or own? Stay single or get married? Who to marry? How many children? When to retire? Well, I'm, I'm being forced to a decision this month. As most of you are aware, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer last year, and I underwent a radiation therapy. I had 43 treatments over eight weeks, and the cancer was stopped. And they also gave me a testosterone block, this, this Lupron injection. And the reason for that is it's supposed to kill any rogue cancer cells. And knowing me, I probably have some rogue cancer cells. <laughs> and anyway, they give you this injection every six months. It lasts six months. That's quite a shot. And I have to do that for two years, they said, to make sure. That's, that's what they recommend we do. And, you know, the side effects are, you know, you have, you know, less energy, a low libido, loss of muscle mass, weight gain, miserable hot flashes like women have going through menopause. That happen, and, and, and honestly, happen almost hourly <laughs> for two years. So, this month is the month I, I've done three shots, and this is my last one. I'm not enjoying the journey. I talked to Doc. I said, hey, you know, what's, what's the chance I can skip this last shot? He says, yeah, you can do that. He says, some people, some people have a really miserable time with the side effects, and they just can't handle it. And uh, he said, yeah, I'll just, uh... he says, I said, well, what's the, what's the danger? He said, well, there's people that do three shots, not the fourth shot. It's about a 5% chance of cancer returning. Well, me, you know, I, 5%, pfft. <laughs> What's the chance of that happening? Well, 5% is what the chance is. <laughs> so I could, uh, so you know, I'm thinking, you know, well, I'm going to make a decision. I can skip it. I can skip it. Start recovering my strength, recovering my physique, <laughs> energy. Be a man again. But there's some risk. All right. Or I can get it. I can get the stinking shot. And recover my, I mean, and again, I'll, I'll suffer another year. See, because it's six months, this stuff will be, in, be effective, and then there's another six months as it gets out of your system. It's a year. Another year of being miserable with these side effects. But there's less risk. And then I got to think, well, the decisions I make, they affect more than just me. You know, I, I have to consider other people, too. I have a wife. You know, I don't know, she may be 
I don't know exactly what the, I need to talk to her. Is she okay with me leaving? <laughs> you know, some people have a celebration when people pass on, you know. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, you, you see it, celebration of life. I see it all the time. Was, <laughs> they're glad that guy's gone is all I can figure. Uh, but, uh, or, uh, or, or maybe she wants me to stay around. I don't know. I, and I have children. I have grandchildren. Um, but then the church, you know, you guys. So what do you think I should do? Should I get the shot? Or should I just skip the shot and be a man and just move on? What to do, what to do, what to do? Anyway, years ago, I read an article about a Coast Guard vessel in 1939 that was cruising the Canadian Arctic when the men on, the, on this vessel spotted a polar bear that was stranded on an ice floe. And, and it was quite a novelty for the seamen, I mean, who threw the bear some salami, threw him some peanut butter, some chocolate bars. Eventually, however, they ran out of food. Unfortunately, the polar bear had not run out of appetite. <laughs> and the bear proceeded to board their vessel. <laughs> Well, the men were terrified, you know. They opened the fire hoses on the bear, and the bear just loved it. I mean, he, was, he even raised his paws in the air to get the water under his armpits. And, well, we, and we don't know just exactly how they did it, but they finally did get him off the boat and back to his ice pad. But not before those seamen learned a horrifying lesson about feeding polar bears. Now, I've noticed that there are some people who make the very same mistake with sin that those sailors made with the polar bear. They begin feeding it, you know, just a little bit at a time without thinking through the consequences. You know, it's, an, it's interesting in our present culture that the word sin or sinful is rarely used, unless you want to describe a really good dessert, you know. It's sinful. Anyway, if you'll permit me this morning, I'd like to talk for a few minutes about sin. Because there are some things we really need to know about it. I know it's not fashionable to talk about sin. But if you ignore it, it can be really dangerous. So let's begin with you following along as I read a few verses from the ninth chapter of Mark. Okay? Teacher, said John, speaking to Jesus, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Don't stop him, Jesus said, for no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. If anyone causes one of these little ones, you know, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. 
And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. You know, in a time when everyone is so concerned with tolerance, have you ever considered that Jesus was probably the most tolerant person who ever lived? I mean, our text, one of his disciples, John, told him, Teacher, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Now that makes sense. What we have here is a clear copyright infringement. A man who was not a member of a recognized church, what was he doing? He was out using Jesus' name to cast out demons. I mean, if something's not done, he will soon be putting up a tent out on the outskirts of town. You know, the first liturgical Pentecostal Evangelical Reformed Church of the Triune God uniting. <laughs> and we certainly can't have such riffraff representing Christ, right? I, I mean, it's no wonder the disciples were upset. But note what Jesus said. He said, don't stop him. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me for whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. See, Jesus had no use for theological litmus tests. Instead, the proof was in the pudding, as we say. And what I mean is you will know a follower of Christ by his or her actions, no more, no less. Political candidates talk about big tents. You know, they talk about making the party tent big enough to draw in a broad constituency. Well, people have, you know, I'm going to tell you that Jesus has the biggest tent of all. If you're not against him, you're for him, he says. All who are willing, anyone who will, can come. I submit that Jesus was the most tolerant person who ever lived. Do you agree? But there were limits. As he says there in Mark 9, 42, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone around his neck. Hey, there's not much tolerance there. And it gets worse. If your hand causes you to sin, cut your hand off. Hey, it's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and go to hell. Hey, if your foot causes you to sin, hey, cut it off. Cut off your foot. It's better for you to be a cripple than to have two feet and go into hell. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than have two eyes and thrown into hell. Well, I don't know about you, but those words don't sound tolerant to me at all. Not even a little bit. You see, Jesus knew 
what Plato later realized, that if unlimited tolerance is extended to those who are intolerant, <laughs> then the tolerant will be destroyed. And here we're discovering an area where Jesus shows zero tolerance. It's in the area of sin. See, he loves sinners, but he despises sin. And what, listen, why does he despise sin? He despises sin because he loves us. He doesn't hate sin because we like sin. He didn't wake up one day and says, what are you doing? And we told him, he says, you like it? And we say, yeah. And he says, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, that wasn't how it worked. He's not trying to put a wet blanket on our good time. He's not trying to withhold something good from us. He's trying to protect us. Adam and Eve, don't you eat from the tree. I know it looks good. I know it's tempting. But you need to trust me. Stay away from it. Sin will hurt you. See, there, there were some things about sin that Jesus wanted to communicate to us without equivocation. And the first thing is this. Avoid sin. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Avoid sin. If you're in the presence of evil, get out of there. If you're being tempted, flee. We had a class this morning that Susie taught all about that. Run. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, it's better to cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. You can cozy up to temptation only so long before it will have you in its snare. Now, some people love sin. You and I know that. There are some people for whom life on the straight and narrow is just dull. It's just boring. I was reading recently about an insect. There's an insect that is drawn to fire. Now, most creatures, they'll flee and panic away from a fire, but this particular kind of beetle deliberately flies toward forest fires. Its proper name is melanophilia, and it actually means lover of blackness. Anyway, these beetles, what they do is they lay their eggs on burnt wood that's recently been killed by a forest fire. And apparently they can detect forest fires from as far away as 12 miles by using some kind of special infrared sensory organ in their midsection. Whoa. You ever heard of this beetle before? Cool stuff, huh? Okay. They're especially attracted to wavelengths of infrared light that correspond to the temperature of burning wood. And when I read about these beetles... I thought of people in this world who are also lovers of blackness. They're drawn to wrongdoing in the same way that these beetles are drawn to burning wood. Avoid these people, friends. Avoid them at all costs. 
They have no ambition, these people who love blackness. They have no ambition except to pull you down and pull you into darkness. There was this pastor who had a young man come to him for counseling. And the youth, this guy that came, he told his pastor that he had some friends. And these friends were having a bad influence on his life. These friends, they, they, they enjoyed going to a particular club where they could get plenty of drugs, and he would go with them even though he had often promised himself and often had promised God that he would stop going. He explained to his pastor, he said, in spite of my best intentions, I just can't stop going with my friends and taking drugs. So here he is now in the pastor's study, hoping the pastor had an answer. And the pastor did. He did indeed have an answer for him. But it wasn't the quick fix that the youth expected. For you see, his pastor, what his pastor said was, Son, why don't you stop? He said, Son, you're the one. The kid said, Well, I can't. He says, whoa, 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 what do you mean you can't? You're the one who goes there. Nobody forces you. You're the one who takes the drugs. Nobody puts a gun to your head and makes you take them. So just stop. Well, this simple answer kind of surprised this kid. And he, he's probably, well, you know, nobody ever put it to me quite that way before. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? No, guess what? Three weeks later, after the young, that young man called his pastor and said, you know, you gave me the best advice I've ever had or ever received. You said, stop. And I did. I haven't touched drugs since I talked with you. Now that is a smart young man. His pastor told him to stop, and he stopped. Man, I wish there were other people that were that smart especially adults. Listen, friends, whenever we knowingly do wrong, we know it, we pay a price. It's so easy to be lured and drawn away into betraying some of our most sacred values. Oh, it may seem like such an insignificant thing at first, you know, just a mild flirtation, just a few dollars taken from the cash register. A small misrepresentation on our income tax form. But hear me today. Hear me. Families have been lost. Reputations have been lost. Fortunes have been lost because someone stepped across a line that should never have been crossed. If there's something going on in your life right now, that you would be embarrassed about if the other members of this congregation found out about it? It would embarrass you if we put it up on the screen, what you're doing. If you're doing that, stop it. Now, I understand. You say, you're naive, Pastor. No, I understand that, there, that we may sometimes need help. And we all need, by the way, accountability. But the first step 
is deciding to stop. There's no step before that one. There's no help for anyone who doesn't want to stop. You have to want to stop. You say, yeah, I can't. Well, I'll tell you, you have to want to. You need, and you need to, not because we're going to judge you. We wouldn't want to do that. I want you to stop sinning because life will judge you. What you think is covered will be laid bare. That what you think is of little consequence will have an enormous impact. As someone said, if you dance with the devil, you always end up with burn marks on your suit. Avoid sin. And if, oh, if, you're temp- if you're tempting someone else to sin, it's even more imperative that you stop. Man, it's one thing to be drawn towards sin, but to drag someone else with you, that is nearly unforgivable. Jesus says, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. See, this passage serves not only as a stark warning to everyone who would directly exploit the weakness of others, it also serves as a warning of how indulging our own weaknesses, our own weaknesses, can hurt and emotionally maim those we're responsible for. See, we get to thinking that sin is a private matter. It's my life, we say. I'll lead my life any way I choose. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you that life is rarely that simple. Everything we do has an impact, not only on us, but also on everyone around us. The sad truth is, when we're dragged down into the muck and mire of life, we have a tendency to drag others down with us. I suppose one extreme example of this would be Adolf Hitler's father. Hitler's father was a promiscuous man whose third wife, who was Hitler's mother, was actually his niece. She was half his age, and she was pregnant when the two got married. And Hitler would later tell people around him that his father used to beat him while his frightened mother hid outside of his room. His father also used to summon him with a whistle, the same kind of whistle he used to call the dogs. Hitler's younger brother and close playmate, Edmund, he died when Hitler was 11. And since his father was angry with the village priest, the father didn't even attend the young son's funeral. And he wouldn't let his wife attend either. Hitler alone went to his young brother's funeral. And if Hitler is today suffering in the agony of hell, how much more punishment must be reserved for the parents who raised him in such an environment? Now, obviously, this is an extreme example. But if I'm going to be true to the text we have for today, I must say to you, 
in terms that are stark and cold, you and I are responsible for the little ones around us. Not only must we never exploit them, we're also responsible for the damage that's done to them when we sin. You ever wanted to ask a person who's done some foolish thing, what were you thinking? And you know what the truth is? They weren't thinking. They were not thinking of the consequences for their families. They're not thinking about the consequences for their reputation, not thinking about the consequences for those who might conceivably be hurt by their actions. Listen, life is not a game when sin is involved. People get hurt. Families get destroyed. And sometimes even lives are lost because somebody crossed a line that should never have been crossed. So our message from the master is really, really simple. But it's oh so important. Avoid sin. Will you say that with me? Avoid sin. And if someone else could be hurt by your sin, be even more determined to avoid it. Remember who you are. You are a follower of Jesus. You're a child of the King. You're one who's been bought by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus called us the salt of the earth, and as we learned last week in our sharing with Christ with Confidence class, we learned that salt does three things. You know what salt does? Number one, salt purifies. Salt cleans. Salt heals. Okay, that's good. Number two, salt preserves. It prevents corruption, prevents decay. But the third thing is salt creates thirst. As we become more Christ-like in our choices and in our character, we show that we are different from the world. And that difference, that is the salt. It causes people around us to notice. And it creates in them a thirst to know why we are different. Which gives us wonderful opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We must accept the fact that we are responsible for those around us. In the same way that salt brings taste to a meal, we are to live our lives in such a way that we make everyone around us better people. Better people just by being in our presence. You may have heard that said about athletes. When he's on the court, he makes everyone around him a better player. That's what people ought to say about a follower of Jesus. You know, I'm a better person when I'm with Joe. Being with Sally makes me feel really good about myself and my faith. See, we should always be building, building up. Heaven forbid that we would ever drag anyone down. As someone said to the world, 
you might be one person, but the one person, you might be the world. Some of you may remember the Ray Bolt song about how even the littlest gestures done in Jesus' name are going to be rewarded in heaven. Remember, that hit? Remember his song, Thank You? And his song, Thank You, a young person dreams that he has gone to heaven, and there he sees all the people that, whose lives had been touched by his Christian witness. The child he taught in Sunday school class. The person who was saved through the missionary work that he supported. And in one verse, he sings, One by one they came, far as the eye could see, each life somehow touched by your generosity. The little things that you had done, sacrifices made, unnoticed on the earth, in heaven now proclaimed. Now I know up in heaven you're not supposed to cry, but I was almost sure there were tears in your eyes. As Jesus took your hand and you stood before the Lord, he said, my child, look around you, for great is your reward. And the chorus said, thank you. For giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. Oh, yeah. See, this is who we are as followers of Christ. We are people who choose health and life. Not only so we will feel good. But also, so we'll be available. So we'll have the ability to minister to others. We avoid sin, not because we're party poopers. We avoid it, not because we're spoil sports. No, we avoid sin because there are people who love us. There are people who rely on us and people who look up to us. People to whom and for whom we are responsible. We're the salt of the earth. And Jesus warns us by saying, good salt is worthless if it loses its saltiness. It can't season anything. So the question for us today is, are we still salty? Are we living as Christ? Are we allowing Christ to live in and through us? Are others being drawn to Christ because of us? I encourage you today, friends, stay salty. Don't lose your flavor. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.